Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2015. This is Carolyn talking about steps 10 and 11. Hi, I'm Carolyn, I'm an alcoholic. Um, thanks for your share, Brad. It was good to hear it. Um, and the other speakers only arrived at step 8 and 9, but it was really powerful to hear, hear the experience in those steps. And, um, you know, that's what we need to do before we get to step 10 and 11. I've worked our way through step 1, um, 1 through to 9, and then we move on to 10 and 11. And um, I guess just reflecting on my journey into these steps, I, I like how Frank said it. it you know, he didn't arrive there straight away. And um, I certainly didn't either. I was, it's taken me, it took me a while in Alcoholics Anonymous to really realise that I needed to do this work. Um, I envied those who sort of came in, surrendered, knew what was wrong with them and could really admit it and then just get on with the sponsor and go through this process. And as much as I tried to be that person, you know, my ego was still in operation, the disease was still running in my head, I still thought I had some control over alcohol even though I thought I needed to be here and... As much as I tried to get a sponsor to help me, I just couldn't. It just, you know, I didn't find the, I didn't find the solution. And um, what happened for me was that I kept coming back to meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous, and, and you know, the people like I was really moved talking to Chris before. People like Chris and David, who, you know, even when I was floundering trying to live sober, just were kind. You know, that's what they were. I kept coming back. There was those people who were just lovely when I had no idea why I needed to be in these rooms. And. Um, <coughs> I guess my story was that I, you know, picked up a drink and was off and running pretty quickly and loved alcohol, never thought that I was going to give it up because I loved it so much or I, I couldn't give it up so why would I even try and what I did try to do was try and fix this, all the crap that was going on in my life. Like other people said, you know, um, I'd adjusted to having problems with personal relationships, I'd adjusted to having, you know, financial struggles, I'd adjusted to just not being right in life but I wanted somehow to fix that and I was doing a lot of therapy and a lot of yoga and a lot of kinesiology and a lot of spiritual development and a lot of everything apart from not drinking and that journey led me to India and um, led me to Al-Anon because I've got a lot of alcoholism in my family and Al-Anon led me to AA so I didn't I never consciously said I've got a problem with alcohol I need to go to Alcoholics Anonymous for a solution I was literally pushed through the door by some woman in India when I was looking for Alan and she goes, go in there. And, um, and I was like, oh, I've got the wrong place. And, um, and they gave me the preamble, five Indian guys maybe, I can't remember. And I started reading the preamble and I gave it back to them and said, sorry, I'm in the wrong place, this is not for me. You know, like how well does this higher power work in your life? You don't even know what your problem is and you get to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, um, you know, I went back the next day and I, and I started to relate to the disease, you know, the disease, not the disease of drinking, but the disease of thinking, you know, what, what people were left with with the alcoholism once they put down a drink, and that's what sucked me into this gig, you know, it wasn't because I, I didn't drink every day, so I didn't really identify with that part of it, um, well, that's, I didn't think I was like you in my drinking because of that, but, um, and one day I stood up and I said, my name's Caroline, I'm an alcoholic, and I did not, I didn't mean to say those words, I don't know where they came from, but um, I felt liberation, and, um, you know, my cheeks like loosened up and you know there's a glint in my eye and something happened that day and that's the only reason I stuck around for the next couple of years because I felt amazing that day and so I guess my story is you know I came to Alcoholics Anonymous based on that stuff and I really found it hard to identify with the insanity of of step two you know my powerlessness and my insanity 
And that's what took me three years to understand. So I had to keep coming back to meetings, keep listening to people. And, um, you know, I remember sharing at the steps meeting one day and I said something about, I wanted to be restored to sanity in every other area apart from alcohol. And because um, alcohol was my problem, of course. And I remember David sharing something. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't even know what I'm talking about. And um, but what I did was I heard, I stuck around with women who were working the steps. And eventually I realised that I needed to get help. I'd been sober for three years in Alcoholics Anonymous or something to like that. And um, I knew something was going to, I was either going to kill myself or I was going to drink. Like I couldn't keep going. Even though I hadn't drunk up to that time, I wasn't going to be able to maintain this on my own anymore. You know, I had to get to that point And that's how long it took me. And... Um, my sponsor got me to see step one, you know, my powerlessness that alcohol had run my life from the first time I picked up a drink and I had no idea that that was the case. I thought I had control and I had absolutely no control. And she did that by taking me through this book, you know, and then that step two, you know, that I'm insane. I can't bring into my mind, the, you know, the suffering of a week or a month ago. I just think this time it's going to be different. And that's the thinking that I sat in these rooms for three years, you know, that, oh, no, it's not going to be too bad. Maybe down the track it'll be, you know, it'd get bad, you know, get worse. But at the moment it's okay. And I guess my point is, up until then, I've been trying to do the steps, but until I got that foundation of step one and two, there was no... I couldn't get... The rest of them weren't going to do any... weren't doing anything for me. You know, I was trying to do them, and nothing happened. And once I got that step one and then was able to move to step two, my sponsor was able to take me through the rest of the steps to be restored to sanity, you know, to realise, to have that soundness of mind that I can see what alcohol does to me. And, you know, it, I've got written... My book here, she said to me that... Um, you know, write stuff in your book that it happens to you. And it says at step 10, we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. For this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we will recall from, from it as a hot flame. We will react sanely and normally, and we will find this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. And I guess my first experience was that, you know, after going through the steps with her, I was sitting in a restaurant with a friend and after dinner they put down a dessert wine in front of us and I just, you know, I just was like, great, <laughs> you know. And I, my hand was like that and I could see her, my friend who knows I'm sober, react and then I just, I just pulled back. And I didn't actually, that wasn't, there wasn't a mental defence against that. Something, something came in that day, you know. The higher power worked in my life because if I had been trying to think my way through that situation, I would have picked up that drink. I hadn't, there was no thought, basically. I was just like, great, drink in front of me, have a drink. And that's the problem with my alcoholism. You know, I can't get around this world thinking that I can solve it with my thinking. Because if I try and do that, eventually the situation will come where my thinking is going to say it's going to be okay. You know, okay, you're in, you know, you've had a stressful day or you're in a nice restaurant or, you know, let's celebrate or you're depressed or whatever it is, my thinking is going to say a drink's going to be okay. And that's why I do this stuff. And for me, the step 10 part of it, you know, I got through and I was pretty thorough with those, those steps. My sponsor was... Well, at that time, I was in enough pain to do whatever she told me. You know, okay, you tell me to do it, I'll do it. I'm terrified I'm going to drink again, so I'm just going to go out and I'm going to do this whole process. I'll turn up every week, I'm going to do my amends, I'm going to do, you know, meetings and service and all that stuff. And, but the step 10 part of it, I kind of thought you got to just cruise after life became a little bit manageable. And, um, you know, once you kind of looked right on the outside, that you got to kind of just cruise through this thing. And, and what I've discovered is... As my now sponsor says to me, I've got a spiritual malady type 5. Um, that's her way of saying, like, I really am restless, irritable, discontent, you know. And I need to treat that on a daily basis. That's what I'm left with that I'm not drinking. Regardless of whether I've reached step 9 and, I'm, you know, and I've got some good things in my life, I'm left with alcoholism. You know, that's the disease that I have. And why I do this is 
is so that I can maintain my spiritual condition. So step 10 is people have explained it to me and I, I heard a lot of women, these women I was hanging around with doing the steps and I had to hear them say it over and over and over again for me to click, oh my goodness, I've got to do this on a daily basis. I didn't get it. Like I would hear people in meetings say, I've come to AA, I've done this, I've done that, life's really good and I'm like, great, that's all I'm going to, you know, cool, I'm waiting for life to be really good. And I didn't realise that this is, um, you know, the other thing I heard on a speaker tape the other day was, God keeps us sober. And they said, you know, that's, that's true, but we've got to do a lot as well. You know, it's not, co- you know, we don't, you know, God work is, it's up to God. It's something up to, up to something bigger than me, but I've got to maintain my spiritual condition. And, you know, and I do this and the book lays it out really clearly for me, but I, I'm seven years sober and I'm really only just being diligent on a daily basis about this. You know, not when I'm five days down the track with a resentment and it's got so bad that I've got to talk to someone about it, which is how I did it for a couple of years and I thought that was going to get me by. And, it, and it, you know, it obviously did. But now it's about, my sponsor says to me, like, a what being, like watching, being aware and being awake. You know, so how do I wake up to this thinking that's going on in me, this disease that's going on in me, this thing that's running me? And, and the, th- the way that I do this is, you know, outlined in the book. So... I love that you said this is continued, so I've got to continue, and I don't like continuing, I like just arriving. Um, continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. You know, that's my first step. When these crop up, we ask God to remove them, God at once to remove them. That's two. We discuss them with someone immediately. We make amends if we harmed anyone. And then we resolutely turn to our thoughts to someone we can help. So people have showed me that this is a... Um, thank you. That there's a a clear process during my day of what I do when these things crop up and the process of watching, you know, when this fear's coming up or this resentment. And what used to happen, and and I guess in my drinking, was that I'd just be in the fear of the resentment. I didn't even know what that was. I just thought the world was bad. But I had no process of actually coming through that. And now, um, by continuing to try and, you know, take these actions, I can see, you know, when my boss asks me to do something and I don't want to do it, like, I can see my attitude. And, I, I mean, I thought I was quite lovely and people-pleasing and, you know, my sponsor says people-pleasing is just dishonest, but um, I thought that I was this really easygoing character. And the more that I do this, the more that I see that I retaliate, that I get, you know, that, that I get angry, that I have an attitude. Like, and I'm, I'm really surprised by this stuff. And another thing my sponsor says is sometimes waking up is really painful because I'm getting to see the behaviour that I exhibit as a result of, you know, as my, my resentment and my fear and... You know, just one thing on this is the hard thing about this, and I've never, maybe this is a question for the audience, is that a lot of the time, like it says we discuss this with someone immediately, if I had to do that every time I got a resentment or fear, I'd probably be on the phone all day. Um, so what I need to do now is I just need to be diligent. And I love what people said about the um, step nine and, and doing amends and getting a job. And I was like, oh, that hasn't happened for me. And um, the funny thing is it actually has happened for me and I don't want to be working where I'm working. Like I did amends to it, to it. Um, an agency and I'm actually now working there and it's not my dream job in any sense but what it's done is it's pushed me into having to work this because I'm under a lot of stress and under a lot of pressure every day and what I was doing was I was going this sucks these people are annoying why aren't they doing this they should be doing that so on top of the stress and pressure of the you know my job I had this head that was absolutely driving me nuts, you know, that I was getting real... I was coming home and all I wanted to do was isolate, you know. I was still going to meetings, but all I wanted to do was just... I just didn't have any energy left at the end of the day. And, you know, I talked to my sponsor. Again, I'm shocked that that's how my thinking is, but that's how it is. 
And what I've had to do over the last couple of weeks is, well, one, I had to do inventory around my sponsor, my, um, my boss, and I had to do inventory around the customers. Didn't think anything would change. And then what I had to do was start to watch my thinking. And rather than judging every single thing that happened in the day, I just it'd like wear it like a loose garment, you know, and not to not to go into that thinking. Oh my God, this sucks. Whatever. Okay, this has happened. You know, how can I be helpful? And the amazing thing that's happened is my boss, who micromanaged me since I started in that role, does not touch me anymore. I don't know. I have no idea how that happened because I was like, I can't do this anymore. She just doesn't touch me anymore. The, the interesting thing is. Customers seem so much nicer. (laughs) Like, they're not coming in to harass me anymore. And, you know, I mean, there's some days where they do because this is a daily program and, you know, some days I just know I get up, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling stressed and, you know, I can just feel it and it's just the day just goes downhill. But what I've got to do is to practice this and my job's actually really changed and I don't think the job... It's a job that's changed. I think it's me that's changed. And my sponsor said to me, and she goes, we don't know why God's got you there, but... You need to be spiritually strong, and maybe that's why. Because if I wasn't forced in that, into that position where I was really in pain through that, I probably wouldn't have done the work. You know, I probably wouldn't have had to realise that this really is a daily program and that I've got to you know, continue to be aware and awake of that. And, um, and then the next thing, you know, this is step 10. And you know, the thing is, I can watch it during the day. If it continues, I put it on paper. You know, if it's continuing to go on for a couple of days, I put it on paper. I email it to my sponsor. We have a, sometimes we have a conversation, sometimes we don't. But I go through that process of looking at the seven areas of self and where it's affecting me. And that, to me, being shown that by sponsors has actually been the key to freedom for me because it's, you know, it's usually something within me, not something within someone else. And, um, you know, and then on top of that, I move into step 11. And you know, last year, I was having quite a hard time. You know, I, I really struggle. I was really struggling, and I, sometimes I do, with, with being left with alcoholism. You know, when you're not drinking and trying to live and... You, you know, those bedevilments that can come back up. And, um, and you know, I, when I was about six months sober, I remember hearing Carolyn, who shared on Step 6 and 7, I think, this morning, and she was talking about the bedevilments, and I know people have talked about them this weekend, and I just thought, God, I'm not going to be honest about that. Like, I've got all of those going on in my life, but I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm going to pretend that everything's fine. I mean, you guys know when someone walks in here at three months sober that not everything's fine, but, like, I was trying to keep up this appearance, and... Um, that was really going on you know, for me last year, I think, and I reached out to members and they said, you've got to come back to step 11. You know, this, this book ending of morning and night, we actually have a process for it. Like, you don't have to be... You don't have to be out at sea anymore being swept around every day. We've got this process where you can start the morning... Um, thank you. Um, you know, on awakening, we get to ask God to direct our thinking. You know, it gives us plans, so, you know, we can... T- I, and to actually read this, like I'd hear people talking about 86 and 87, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I get on my knees in the morning, I get on my knees at night. But I actually wasn't reading through this process, which gives me a very clear direction. And, um, you know, we might face indecision, but we ask God for help and then we let it go. You know, and I've done that on many, you know, many occasions and somehow books popped up or someone said something to me or, you know, an answer's arrived. You know, we continue, it says we're going to screw it up. You know, sometimes I'm going to think God's going to direct me and it's not God at all, it's just my self-will. It says we're going to get it wrong. You know, isn't it great? There's such liberty in this. Um, but the one that I, like, I really like at the moment is, you know, we conclude our period of meditation with a prayer that we've shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we'd be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. You know, we get to bring our problems into meditation and ask for solutions. And sometimes they come and, you know, just in these miraculous ways and other times the problems go on, but... I'm getting to use the steps, you know, in my life now on things, you know, it's not alcohol anymore, it's the things that bother me and the things that will lead me back to alcohol I get to bring into meditation and ask for God's help.
And then as we continue through the day, we, you know, when agitated or doubtful, we ask for the right thought or action. And the big one for me is, you know, we're no longer running the show. We constantly, as we go through the day, we say, thy will be done. And to me, that's a practice. Like I, you know, seven years sober and I've probably done it, you know, I don't know, maybe on 50 days I really practice that, I don't know. But I find that there's enormous power when I say thy will be done. Um, a couple of years ago, you know, I was going through, you know, a really hard time and I started saying thy will be done. I couldn't find an answer. I'd done inventory. I'd spoken to everyone. And I kept saying, I started saying thy will be done, thy will be done. You know, it was like me letting go of the show and... Um, as my sponsor at the time said, these big weights in AA, you know, these women in AA who were, you know, who were honest with me popped up in my life and and they gave me directions that I couldn't, hadn't found, you know, through my sponsor at that time. And, you know, through those circumstances, my life absolutely changed. You know, I went through, you know, a lot was removed as well, um, but I got to make way for things that, you know, were not of my will and letting God in. And, um, and I guess for me that this is now a practice, so I, I try and do this on a daily basis I get up, I have to have my coffee, but I get up and I have my coffee and I have, you know, my daily readings and I get up and do Step 11 in the morning. I email Step uh, step 11 to my sponsor at night. She's just got a little thing which is basically, you know, on when we retire, we look at where we were selfish, dishonest, afraid, you know, and try not to go into morbid reflection around it that, you know, I'm just trying to live my life. And, you know, the result is, is I'm not... Um, you know, I can be in life now. Like, I was really moved before thinking about how it was when I met Chris... I mean, I, God, I had, once I put down that drink, I had no solution, absolutely no solution. And, you know, life's take, taken on new meaning. Like people have said, I've become responsible for my own life at times. Um, you know, but, um, you know, I'm living life. I've got, you know, established a great relationship with my family. You know, that's, that's so important. Um, you know, now I can work, now I can study, now I can, you know, be self-supporting and I can do all those things. And, I just never thought anything like that was possible. I love what Frank said, is, you know, the best is yet to come. And I honestly thought when they were saying that, they had no idea. Like, if they knew what was going on with my head, they wouldn't be saying that. And, um, but people do know what this disease is, and they know how your thinking operates. And, um, and thank God I stuck around with the women that were working the steps and said, you know, come with us and we'll show you the way out. And, and as a result, I've got, you know, I've got this foundation for living now. And... Um, you know, it's just about continuing to grow. And just the other thing, you know, my sponsor said by doing this, you know, I was talking to her yesterday, that enormous power comes into your life. You know, now I have um, the power to be honest. I have the power, you know, I have courage to do different things. Um, I can watch when I'm going into that space of resentment and fear and just about to, reta- you know, and, and to retaliate. And before I came to AA, I was just in a mess of all of that, you know. It was just, I was just, you know, in my own crap, basically. And these tools are giving me a way to see what's going on and to ask for help and guidance and continue to stay sober one day at a time. So thanks for letting me share. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au. Thanks for letting us share.